You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. Okay, I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles. Uh, we've got a few things we're going to be reading through. Just open your Bibles up. We're going to be going from chapter to chapter. So we've entered into a season of prayer and fasting, and I began a message on prayer and fasting. And uh, some of you are like, oh, but I hope uh, you walked away last week inspired and excited about this. Uh, if I can see a show of hands, how many of you guys have committed to 21 days of prayer and fasting? Maybe not the whole day, but even part of it. Just keep your hands raised. Church, just look around you. That's almost half the people, that's not including Sunday school. Oh, wow, that's fantastic. So I'm going to give you my special standing ovation. Well done. That is so good. Um, look, I, I worked it out, and I put this on the prayer guide. If 20 people prayed for 30 minutes a day, that's over 200 hours of prayer during this 21 days of prayer and fasting. That is significant. That's significant. So the more people pray... The longer you pray throughout a week, the Bible tells us in Revelations that prayer is, con- is contained in an incense cup, and that when it's full, the Lord pours it out. So the more people praying and the more hours spent praying will fill the cup quicker so that we're not waiting. You hear that sound right now? That's the sound of rain. The church in Australia and around the world fasted and prayed for rain. We did as well. That is an answer to your prayers. Let's give glory to the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. I had a call. Uh, so some of you, what do I do with the other days of the week? I am a full-time pastor, by the way. But the other days of the week, I'm also a bivo- I'm bivocational. I, I'm a distance education teacher. And I, I teach remotely. I, I support people. One of the families lives on a cattle farm four hours from Rockhampton. Large, acres and acres and acres. And they haven't had rain, and the dam was almost empty. And they just uh, told me on Friday that it is full, completely full. So that's for the farmers. So God is so you should You really should clap for this one. Now some of you, hey, can I encourage you? Don't give a heart, half-hearted clap, Okay. Clap unto the Lord. It's not to me. It's not to anything I'm saying. It's, it's for the Lord. I'm trying to, uh, trying to put some things into your vision so you see, oh, wow, God is really good. Yes, he is. And he's answering prayers. So I wanted to continue on this teaching on the power of fasting. So I started last week on the power of fasting. And I began showing you point number one. What are the purposes of fasting? Fasting averts disaster. And I gave you some examples of that, how a threat over a nation, even when God says, I am going to wipe out a nation, I'm going to wipe out Nineveh. And when that people who are pagan began to cry out to Yahweh, that's a God we serve, Jehovah, in other words, okay, all of a sudden, God withheld his hand and he did not destroy that nation. Amazing. All because everyone from young and old, rich to poor, began to cry out to the Lord. So I wanted to continue with that because there is a power when you fast and you combine it with prayer. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. I I go to Malaysia every year. I went to Indonesia last year. The school that I work for pays me to be a missions director. I mean, really? Wow. They want to send me to Africa this year. So I'm over there, and the usual thing, at uh, you know, five times during the day, there's the the mosque, the masjid, that begins to cry out that prayer, the call to prayer. It's demonic as it goes over the airwaves. I feel it. I sense it. 
And those, the Muslims are, are told they must pray during those times at the call to prayer. Stop everything. In Australia, same thing. They're allowed to do that. They'll stop everything, put their mats out, look for where the mosque is, and, and they be, oh, sorry, where uh, Medina is, and they begin to pray and focus there five times a day. How many times do you pray? This is, not a con- this is not to condemn you. This is just to challenge you, okay? Don't shoot the messenger. How many times are you praying throughout the day? You're wondering why Islam is growing? Because they're praying every day, five times a day. And they're fasting for 40 days once a year. The entire Muslim population are commanded to do that. Fasting and praying for 40 days. Now, how they do it may be a bit, you know, <laughs> I'm glad that's what they do. They still eat three meals at night. They just don't eat during the day. <laughs> they have one as soon as the sun sets. They have one before they go to bed. And then they have another meal before the sun pops up. Three meals a day still during that fasting and prayer. So obviously, even the demonic recognizes that kind of prayer works when you are going through a season of fasting. And historically speaking, through the Word of God, you'll see that fasting and prayer moves angels and demons on assignment. Some of you guys have a demonic assignment over your life. You can't even recognize it. You just think it's bad luck. It's just demonic over your life. Some of you are scared to fast and pray. You are scared to get serious with God because you've heard the saying, with greater levels come greater devils. Not responsibility. It's not Spider-Man, dude. <laughs> With great power comes great... No, no, it's not that. With greater levels come greater devils. It's simply a reality whether you want to or not. Either you're serving the devil, and then, he, and then you're just in the demonic realm already. He doesn't need to do anything. Or you're going for God. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven forcefully advances... And forceful men, in fact, the King James says, violent men take it by force. They're saying, we got to get in. we got to push in. we got to push forward. Bill Johnson says this, the armor of God is only on the front. There is no armor in the back because the kingdom of heaven advances. It doesn't retreat. Neither does the kingdom of heaven stay in one spot. It has to advance. So if you're not growing in your walk with Jesus... I want to challenge you with that thought. Immediately, you are not following Jesus. I know. Please, just love me. I, I do love you. It is not a, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to convict you. I'm trying to give you the word of Jesus because he loves you, and he's calling you into a greater life. There are people famous for their prayer. The Bible says that Isaac, you probably didn't know this, Isaac was a man of prayer. And the Bible says that eventually God came to him after he had married Rebekah. He was 40 years old when he married her. 20 years later, he's 60 years old, God comes to him and says, I've remembered your prayer, and now your wife is pregnant with twins. 20 years of prayer. Some of you are like, I've been praying. God hasn't answered prayers. So obviously, God doesn't answer prayer. No, sometimes it takes, uh, God forbid, 20 years, you know, before these things get come to pass. But just keep, keep holding on. Don't give up with your prayer. The Bible says that Hannah was a barren woman. And the, back in those days, please don't try and do this. We don't preach this. But they married more than one wife. Because back in the day, men would go to battle, would be killed. And all these women wouldn't have husbands. So they were allowed to marry two to keep the population going. So this man, Elkanah, had two wives. 
Hannah and Panina. Panina was just fruitful as, and she kept mocking Hannah, which eventually affected how she ate, and it forced her to go into a season of fasting prayer. She couldn't eat anymore, and she refused to eat until God shifted and something changed. And the Bible says she was fasting and she was praying at the temple while everyone else is reveling and having a party and a feast. In fact, her husband gave her a double portion of the food because he loved her so much, even though she had no kids, but she could not eat. He tried to console her, aren't I worth a hundred children to you? But it still wasn't enough because she knew the purposes and the plan that God had for her and it wasn't coming to pass. Some of you guys know that God has a deeper call over your life, but it's not coming to pass. Some of you know that you were created for a greater purpose than what you're doing right now. You know you're just occupying a pew, and yet deep down inside, you know, God has called you to greatness, and you are just getting frustrated. I want to challenge you. God is calling you to fast and to pray and to contend for the things that matter to you. If it matters, it's worth the sacrifice. So the Bible says Hannah is fasting and praying. She's crying to God. She must have made such a spectacle over herself. She wasn't even crying out loud. She was mouthing the words that the high priest Eli comes to her and says, Woman, do you know what time of day it is? Do you know where you are? You shouldn't be drunk in the house of God. And she's broken. She says, I'm not drunk. She begins telling the story to him. And at that point, he just retreated. He says, according to your faith, may the Lord bless you. Three years later, she brings her first son, Samuel, who becomes a leader over Israel. (laughs) I mean, this thing, a woman that could have no children produces a child that becomes a, a, a nation leader. And by the way, she had other children. I think another six kids after that. God, when God blesses, He really blesses. I pray for people, sometimes barren couples. They get the first child, and after that, as I come near them, whoa, whoa pastor, that's okay, we're done. We're done. They'll step away. <laughs> we, we joke about a, uh, in Malaysia, uh, level 21 in this particular condo, the couples get pregnant. So, you know, if you want a child, you're barren, come with us to Malaysia. We'll put you on level 21. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Daniel had a lifestyle of fasting. He would pray three times a day. In fact, he came under such opposition. The only way that they could use and the only leverage they had to fight against a man with such incredible integrity and character was to try and work against his prayer lifestyle, what he believed in. And to the point that they threw him into a lion's den. Not one lion, lots of lions who were withheld from eating so that whatever they th- whichever victim they threw in would be devoured instantly and the lions would not touch him. The Bible tells us of a a woman that we don't talk much about. Her her name is Anna. Anna was married, and after seven years, her husband died. And the Bible says she uh, she was from the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with the husband seven years after marriage, and then was a widow till 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, fasting and praying. Can you imagine that kind of lifestyle? Something that would normally break someone ends up strengthening this woman. She never got married again. We don't know that she had any children, no grandchildren, but she dedicated herself to this one task. She knew what she was called to do, and God told her, you are going to see the Messiah. That was her reward for prayer. Cornelius, a Roman centurion, not even a Jew, worshipped the God of the Jews that we worship, Yahweh, 
And he had a regular prayer lifestyle, constantly praying for the people, constantly praying for the Jewish people, constantly praying God's will would be done. And he was a generous man. The Bible says God sent an angel and said to him, because of your faithfulness in prayer and giving, I'm going to send a gift to you. And Peter, the apostle, was sent to them, and they became the first Gentiles ever to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were accepted in to the church. The early church was just full of Jewish people. So because of his prayer and fasting and generosity, he became famous in heaven. When you're famous in heaven, you're infamous in hell. And so, yes, you will come under attack, but at least you know now it's like, oh, my goodness, I'm growing in the Lord. How many people are joyful when hardship comes their way? No one is daring to raise it. I think that's me. It is the most amazing thing because you're so powerful because you're growing and making an impact. The enemy has to send circumstances and hardship your way to try and discourage you. But because the enemy did that, God did that on purpose. It actually strengthens you because it forces you into fasting and prayer. So that when you come out of the prayer room, you become even more powerful than when, you end, when, when the trouble first hits you. And the enemy's like, whoa, what's going on? So I want to be the devil's worst nightmare. I want this church to be the devil's worst nightmare. So if you're taking notes, let me continue. So the first point was, uh, let me see here, fasting averts disaster. Number two, fasting for protection and for safety. The Bible gives us two stories, and both have to do with the exiles returning to Jerusalem to rebuild and restart the Jews coming back after captivity. So they paid the punishment for 70 years, and it was time to go back. The Bible tells us in Ezra 8 that Ezra proclaimed a fast for protection during a dangerous journey, and the Lord heard this prayer. He says, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before God, and ask him for a safe journey. The king says, I can send soldiers with you. But he thought, I can't do that to the king. He's been generous enough. And so they thought, all we can do is pray for God to come. I want to encourage you, when you're going through a time, when, you, when you're fearing for your life, to begin to fast and to pray, and God will hear your prayers. The Bible says that Nehemiah, when he was given the mission to restore the walls of Jerusalem for their protection, the Bible says that after Ezra's time, that the, the, we call them now the Samaritans, they were half Jews, came in, they were mixed with pagans, and began offering help, but they didn't really want to help. And because the Jews rejected them, saying, no, you'll have no part in this building, rebuilding of this nation. You have no part in this share. And they began to ridicule and to mock and to give them a really hard time, trying to find legal ways, legal loopholes to make it difficult for them. Nehemiah, when he came back, was given the task of trying to rescue the people. For 33 years, it was, it was tools down. They were so brokenhearted that they just tried to eke out an existence. They were not thriving as a nation. And Nehemiah, he begins looking at the walls and examining and meeting with people. And it says in Nehemiah 1.4, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. When you fast, it's actually a part of weeping is a part of fasting. Is a sorrow for the way we're living our lives, or it's a sorrow for the circumstances around us, a sorrow, a godly sorrow for the city that drives us to pray. And he says, for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. By the time he finished his 
period of fasting and mourning during this whole season, they rebuilt the walls. I think it was within a matter of days. It was like 30 days. Something that couldn't be done for 33 years was done in less than a month. The most incredible act of God. Number three, fasting to choose leaders. Fasting for direction. It's very important that if you're about to go into a, a situation where you have to make a decision over something that is quite costly in your life, whether it's time, whether it's money or career, fast and pray and hear from God. The Bible gives us an example in Acts chapter 13, verses 2 to 3. The disciples and the apostles all t- got together. And this is the normal standard practice. They were constantly fasting during the week. Can I challenge you with this thought as well? Even the Pharisees and the Sadducees would fast for at least two days every week. Two days a week as a minimum. They did that. They were still godly men. We mocked we mock them. We give them a hard time. But we're just like them often. Two days a week. And it says this. This is the lifestyle of the church then. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And because they did that, we have the books of the New Testament. Most of them are letters from Paul, from churches that he started, all because they set themselves aside to fast and to pray. Here's key number four. I only got five key points. I'm looking at the time, so don't worry. We'll land the plane. Number four, fasting open your eyes to new opportunity. The Bible tells us a couple examples that are just amazing. The Bible says that Abraham, and look, through whatever fault that they made, ended up uh, with Sarah, his wife, saying, look, you're supposed to have an heir. Maybe it's not through me. So you go sleep with my maidservant. It was a dumb thing back then. And have a child through her. And there was trouble that came upon them because this kid... Uh, eventually, uh, when, when Isaac was born, Ishmael just kept mocking, mocking Isaac and giving him such a hard time because he was the older brother to the point that eventually uh, Hagar and Ishmael had to be sent out. And they were out in the desert, and, Ish- and, and Ishmael just had no water. They had no food, and they were dying. And the Bible te- says that what Hagar had to do was move away from her son, because she couldn't stand the crying because he's in agony. He's starving. How, how do you put up with children that are st- your own child starving and you can't provide? And she goes away, so she's not eating. That's called fasting. And, and she's praying. This is a dry fast. There is no food. There is no water. And she's calling out. And the Bible says that the Lord appeared to her. And this is what happens. He opened up her eyes and she saw a spring of water. And they were rescued. And then God began speaking into our life, saying, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I will take care of you. In Acts chapter 10, verse 9 to 11, the Bible tells us, remember I talked about Cornelius. He fasted, he prayed, he gave generously. God heard him and says, I'm going to talk to Peter. And this is the other portion of the story. In Acts chapter 10, as Peter is fasting and praying on a rooftop, the Bible says Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened. During this time of fasting and prayer, God is going to open up your eyes to new opportunities that you did not see before. That's the thing about fasting and prayer. The answers that God has to your prayer aren't always this miraculous provision, which He can do and will do. 
But at other times, God simply opens your eyes to the opportunities that were already there, and you just couldn't see it. So fasting makes us sensitive to these things. It opens up our eyes to the things that God has for us. And here's a fifth point, and I'll get the muses to come forward things. Number five, fasting amplifies breakthrough power. Fasting amplifies breakthrough power. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 19 to 21, I want you to turn there with me. Now, very interestingly enough, you will only find this in the King James Version. It was cut out. In fact, you'll find that the NIV version and most versions of the Bible have certain scriptures that they cut out. It will shock you when you see the things that were cut out. I love the NIV. I use it all the time. But there are other times I've got to shift and go back to the King James Version or New King James Version in other times. This is the New King James Version. Oh, sorry. Uh, Yeah, it is. New King James Version. So Matthew 17, turn with me there, verses 19 to 21. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast that demon out? Now, I just want you to understand the context. Before this story occurred, Jesus sent the disciples two by two all over the countryside of Israel, preaching the gospel, and he gave them authority to cast out all kinds of demons and authority to heal all kinds of diseases. So every demon that, they, that, uh, that was cast out left. They were 100% successful. But in this time when Jesus and three disciples went up the mount and the, the other nine were left behind ministering and praying for the people, they could not cast the demon out of a little boy. And they're frustrated. The dad's getting angry because I thought you guys can do this. I heard these stories that you can cast out demons and you can pray for the sick and they recover. How come you can't do that? And so this is where the story comes in. They're asking, why couldn't we cast it out? This wasn't a question of how do you cast it out? No, we've already done this casting out, had 100% success. Why would this one not come out? Listen to this. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing Nothing will be impossible for you. And here's the one, verse 21. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Do you understand? There are times when you can pray and cast demons out and they just leave instantly. But there are other times where you actually have to fast and pray for that extra power and authority to be able to cast them out. I made a promise to the Lord but when I entered ministry. I thought, I never want to be caught out and embarrassed and not being able to cast a demon out simply because I did not pay the price in fasting and prayer. So at least once or twice a week as part of my normal Christian lifestyle, I will fast and I will pray. I want to encourage you to make this part of your life because I want to see you get your answers uh, get your, your answers to prayer. Imagine that, constantly having testimonies in the church. In Mark 29, he said the same thing. This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Your prayer, your belief, awesome. Your lack of doubt, awesome. It still won't come out. You need fasting. And listen to this. I'm going to start closing. 
In Luke chapter 4, we read the story of how Jesus was baptized. He was baptized in water. And the Bible says, as he came up out of the water, the, the Father came and, and sent the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, which alighted on Jesus. And the voice of the Father said, this is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Acts chapter 10 tells us what actually happened. And how Jesus of Nazareth was baptized, in the, uh, was baptized with the Holy Spirit and how, how, Jesus, how God baptized Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around healing those who are, who are uh, oh my goodness, I've got a uh, tongue, tongue tied. Healing all and casting every demon out. I'm going to do a paraphrase. Acts chapter 10, you can look it up. So even Jesus had to be baptized by the Holy Spirit to cast these things out. But listen to this. Luke chapter 4 verse 1 says this. After that incident, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit will lead you into a wilderness experience where you're going to be alone, when you're going to do it rough for a reason. You have to get through that temptation period. You have to push through that hardship because God has power that He's going to bestow upon you when you push through. This is the thing. Every hardship that God allows you to enter into is actually waits for you to pump iron so that you are stronger when you come out of it. Listen to this in verse 14. Have a look. Luke 4, 14. Jesus returned to Galilee after this in the power of the Spirit. He was led into the wilderness without power. But after the fasting and prayer he and temptations, he came out in power. Why don't we stand to our feet as I bring this message to a close. Fasting acknowledges the lordship and the authority of God. How we are truly at his mercy. We throw ourselves on the mercy seat of God and we are interceding and crying out on behalf of ourselves, our family, our church, our friends. I came across this illustration from Hudson Taylor, a very famous missionary to China. He says, In Shanxi, I found Chinese Christians who were accustomed to spend time in fasting and prayer. They recognized that this fasting, which so many dislike, which requires faith in God since it makes one feel weak and poorly, is really a divinely appointed means of grace. Perhaps the greatest hindrance to our work is our own imagined strength. And in fasting, we learn what poor, weak creatures we are, dependent on a meal of meat for the little strength which we are so apt to lean upon. Fasting will cause you to begin to lean on Him. As you become weak, you begin to cry out to Him. It's only been one day, and even last night, I'm imagining eating food. It's just started, and it's going to get great. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at lifecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, 
you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.